You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. It's finally a game week. Game week. Game week. Week zero. Does it count? I can see the excitement on Max's faces. I don't. I don't feel like it's really there yet, right? It doesn't feel like it, but it does a little. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But you can tell. I mean, you know, I guess. I guess tailgate starts Saturday. I don't know. I think when Monday and Norvell's previewing an opponent, it, it might feel the same. It's it's Brian Peller and your host here, Max Escarpio, with us again. He, I think you were out last week, right? So you're rotating you back in. Uh, we're giving John the night off. It's honestly my fault. I mixed up our schedules, and so John wasn't available, but we're popping back on. But uh, we're doing a full season preview to give you a heads up this week. Today, Max and I are going to talk uh, a little bit about what Max has seen so far in his week back on campus, checking out practice, uh, who stood out, what he's seeing, what what vibes he's got around the team, uh, a little bit of what we hope to see against Duquesne, and then uh, Friday morning, We'll have a full season preview. It'll be me, Max, John, all together. I'm going to see if I can drag Perry out of uh, whatever whatever cave he's hiding in to join us to talk about it as well. Going full season, that'll be uh, win-loss predictions and all that type of stuff. So we'll get into that again on Friday. But for now, um, you know, again, John's out, so it's just Max and I. But Max, I, you, you've moved back to Tallahassee now. You're, you're back on campus. Um, do you feel like the big man on campus senior year, right? No, I don't feel like the big man. <laughs> I did mention um, last week about your your new job. Anything you want to share? Anything you know? I know you're sticking with us to the end of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be doing basketball, soccer, football with with Tomahawk Nation. Stay with you guys as long as I can. But I don't want to talk too much because I'll be with Florida State. So I don't need to advertise the other thing too much. I don't want to get in trouble. 
No, that's cool. I just wanted to uh, to make sure that people knew you were you were still going to be here through the year. So exciting news for you, like you said, but uh, good to still have you around. So obviously, like I said, we've been having Tommy come on for the last couple of weeks to talk about his observations because he's been the guy who's been there in person. Uh, now that I got you back up there, um, I know it's just one week, but what, what did you see? Who stood out? Um, what, what were the things people should know? I mean, I don't want to take too much, too much weight on what I say, because I was, like you said, I was only there for the last week of fall camp. And what you see in the last week of fall camp is a lot of special teams drills. A lot of players that you see are backups, a lot of third string players who you're seeing who they're trying to like build the depth chart and saying, we already have these starters. So who else is going to come up? But I mean, some of the standouts that I definitely saw were two, I can say were for sure were bless Harris. He was incredible. He was playing offensive tackle and he, he was just, he was just killing it the whole time. He was super consistent, just like another player, Omari and Cooper in corner. He was, he was consistently guarding some of the best receivers, which I would, I would believe would be Johnny Wilson and Malik McLean to two bigger guys. And he was getting pass breakups. He was doing everything on the field that you needed him to do. So Omari Cooper was great. And I never saw bless Harris let up. I, ne- I never saw anything slip up from him on the offensive line, which is incredible to see. Yeah, and we've been talking about the the work. I feel like we've been talking about it all offseason, the work they've put into this offensive line and trying to build it better. So, uh, you know, to have a guy who seems to be growing, that's that's always a good sign. Yeah, for sure. And we we I saw some of the offensive line, I saw them more as a unit than what I saw in the spring camp because this is my first time seeing them since the spring camp this this last week. So I saw them build more as a unit. Like I saw, like I said, I I didn't get to see the whole time all of them play together or all of like this, the starters play or the stars play on that offensive line since they're going to be resting some of these players. But when I did see them, they were very consistent and Jordan Travis seems to be more comfortable with them now. Yeah. I, I feel like that's been a, a good spot to, I mean, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard as a person outside of football to describe offensive line play, like what makes a good offensive line, but you know, I feel like it's one of those things like you you know it when you see it, but you don't know like exactly what it is that you're looking at. Yeah, I don't think people genuinely realize how important a good offensive line is, how important a good, a reliable center is, how important those tackles are going to be. So you keep those players outside from your quarterback. Just It's just so important. People that don't watch football or don't really understand, don't know the importance of that. And yeah. It's been growing. I mean, we've seen and we've seen players shine like like Julian Armella, who's a, who's a freshman. I saw him play. I saw him play for the first time. And after seeing hearing all that buzz, I mean, I've seen film from him in high school. But after hearing all that buzz, I'm, I show I show up to practice this week and I see like, like, what can he do? <laughs> what what is he doing that, that everyone's that everyone's going crazy over him? And he was just he was phenomenal. The only player that I saw him have trouble against was Jared Verse which obviously Jared Verse is going to try to bully him. He's going to try to to pick after the, the freshman, but he was super consistent. Alex Atkins kept going at him and, and he just, he was, he was doing great the whole camp. I, I did think the, uh, one of the other groups that's been standing out to me um, between talking to Tommy and I saw your tweets and it immediately jumped to the front of my mind was the running back room and, and especially uh, Lawrence Toafili. I got that right. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like I see his name two, three times a week. I see clips of him running routes. What what, what did you see from him? Well, Mike Norvo has said it too. And one of the practices he said after that, that he wanted to to give Toafili credit for the work he's done in the offseason. He's put on a lot of weight. He's he's done a lot of 
And that's a player who, who knowing that Corbin left, he knew he had to take another big step. And in his mind, when Trey Benson transferred over here, he could have just backed down and said, all right, I'm done with this. Or, or I wanted more reps and look what, like you brought in someone else when I wanted to be the RB one, or I wanted to be the RB two behind Trayshawn Ward, but he's been just the communication in that group, the camaraderie in that group has been incredible. And I do these top five standouts after every practice and two practices in a row. I think I put the entire running back room because I didn't know who to pick. (laughs) He was there. Trey Benson was there catching balls. Trayshawn Ward was super consistent the whole time. He found the gaps and he, he was, he was consistent with the, with the offensive line. He knew where to go. He knew the place to run. And he, Trayshawn Ward actually was, was better in leadership from what I saw in spring camp. So I really like to see that too. Yeah, you uh, definitely, I, I just looked at it. I'm trying to find the two tweets. T- Tuesday, the entire running back room. I don't see one from Monday. Thursday was Toa Feely. Uh, another name I'm seeing on the list quite a bit, uh, Amari Gaynor. And, um, oh, I just looked at it a second ago. Um, Malik McClain. Yeah, Amari Gaynor was doing relatively good, but the linebacker room, we didn't get to see much of them because because either the, the players, they don't want to get them like too messed up. So they would break up the plays right when they the running backs would get to them or there'd be a big tackle. So I saw him and he he was good in like the one-on-one drills and other drills aside, but in seven on seven or 11 on 11, it wasn't really Amari Gaynor, but for Malik McLean, I'm always been a huge Malik McLean guy. I think he's going to take another big step this year. And I think he's going to be, I think he needs to be Jordan Travis's wide receiver one, just because of everything that he can do. He's so, he's so versatile. I mean, you see Johnny Wilson, who's a big guy can go get it up there. You see Ja'Kai Douglas, who's going to take another big step next year. But Malik McLean, I just think has, he's, he's just the mold that fits everything. And he needs to be the reliable receiver next year. I did want to not to not to preview the Thursday episode too or Friday's episode too much. Uh, but in the season preview, um, I think it's already published now. The the kind of roundtable thing. One of the questions was a guy who would step forward, and I I wrote down Johnny Wilson um, just because everything I'm I'm seeing videos. I feel like on the timeline daily of him just being big. <laughs> and just to, to keep it kind of simple, you mentioned Malik's kind of running as who you think is the wide receiver one. Um, how are they? Are do you, did you get a chance to see how you think they might rotate that group? How they might use that group? Um, you know, where does Pittman fit in? Kind of, I guess. Do you know how they're using the receivers at this point? Right now, Pittman has an incredible relationship with Jordan Travis. You see, when Jordan Travis is in trouble, he looks for Pittman, and. You see a lot of the the. I don't want to just say the depth chart or try to say what what I'm gonna think right now, but yeah, we all know that that the players that are gonna get a lot of snaps are players like Wilson, players like Pittman and, and McLean. So I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to disappoint the fans here, <laughs> but I'm not as high as a lot of the other beat writers or a lot of the other reporters have been on Johnny Wilson. I told Tommy too that I, I've seen him in the spring and I've seen him in the fall. He has trouble dropping the ball. He has no. trouble where he's going to catch the ball and he either moves before he catches it or he moves before he's fully developed and the, the player's coming at him and he doesn't know what to do. He's a big guy, obviously, that can go get up and get it, but I don't think the IQ is fully there yet. Or, I mean, I know he's been playing football for a long time, but I don't know if he really knows how to use that size. Obviously, he knows how to use it to his advantage, but like really knows how to to 
because I like I said before, Amarian Cooper was getting pass breakups on him. That shouldn't happen. You're, you're what is you six seven? Yeah, you're gonna go up and get that. And it's 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 fine if it happens one time, two times, but it happened multiple times where other corners would get to him, and I it just shouldn't happen with a player like that. Mm. So I, I, when you said it, it made me think of a guy, um, a guy who pops on a highlight reel but doesn't pop in the day to day. Like um, I, honestly, the name that came to mind was when I was covering LSU basketball of Ben Simmons, which it's easy to say that about Ben Simmons now, but obviously LSU when they had him didn't win, but he would be trending on Twitter every night because he made like three or four, like, wow, look at that pass. Look at that pass. And so I think maybe that's where we're at with like, you know, he can make a great catch and, and, you know, a beat writer takes a cool video of it and it goes out and ends up in front of me. And I go, wow, that guy's unbelievable. He look at that catch, but you want to see more consistency. I mean, I can be completely wrong and <laughs> can go after me and say, oh, look, you, you said Johnny Wilson's. And I'm not saying he's not good. Yeah. I'm just saying he's not ready for the – and I'll say that confidently. He's not ready for the wide receiver one role that everyone thinks he's ready for or that these B-writers are, are craving about, like, oh, my gosh, is, this guy's going to be Jordan Travis's his weapon. He They can't stop him. Like, that's it's just not going to happen. I was thinking, I, I, the way I wrote the article, I think, oh, now I know. It was a name people will know by the se- end of the season. And what I put is I think he's going to be the big, a big red zone target. Just, you know, he'll probably grab maybe six to eight touchdowns and just be the big guy. Who, then people are like, that's the guy who scores the touchdowns, you know, because they're going to stack the box to try and stop Jordan Travis from running. And I think that's where I don't think I'm expecting him to come out with, you know, 12 receptions for 160 yards and a, two scores. I mean, I don't think you need to either. No. Those are the players that the players that you need to to help you run down the field are players like those running backs and Trey Sean Ward and Trey Benson, and players like like Pittman, like Douglas, who's who are going to move the sticks. And then when it comes to the red zone, when it comes to to pass twenty five, you're looking for McLean and you're looking for Wilson. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And and I, like I said, I think it, it's probably something that we'll see. Hopefully this Saturday, I know I did want to talk a little bit about Duquesne, and I really don't think there is much to say about Duquesne specifically, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. But I think something like the wide receiver rotation is something that'll be important to see on Saturday, kind of like things to watch Florida state wise, you know, who, who gets the first reps, who are the ones that we're looking for on third? And I mean, I can't imagine there's many third and eights, but if there is one, you know, who's the guy that they look to if they need a play, you know what I mean? Like, I don't expect there to be like a fourth quarter. It's a grind. Um, I guess what specifically, and again, I understand Jacksonville state was a thing last year. So I don't think any game can be marked on the schedule as a W, but I feel like this is going to be one that that should be. And then I think it's more, what do you want to see from Florida state? So I don't really think there's a scouting report to give. Um, it's just, what do you want to see? I guess is the open question to you. I don't, it's, I don't think it's just what I want to see, like a specific score. I want to see like this player breakout. What I want to see is team dominance. I want to see yeah. the whole entire team. I want to see everyone show up. I don't want the linebacker room to, to sink and and they cause this run who when they score like that cannot happen against a team like this you need to dominate this team week zero to go into lsu with an incredible win and everyone confident you can't have anyone in the receiver room saying oh i didn't get this rep anyone in the running back room who said oh man this that the offensive line didn't help me over here but you need everyone completely ready to beat lsu so everyone needs to show up 
it's not just Jordan Travis needs to, needs to show, Oh yeah. Like I'm the starter or the offensive line and receiving room. It's not the, it's not the pieces that, that we're missing that need to show up. It's everyone needs to show up in week zero. Yeah. And look, I, I, I think what you said is a great answer because I think when people like, even what I said was people will, will look at it and say, well, but Jacksonville state was a thing last year. You can't say, you know, all that, that you can't take every game as no game is a slouch. No game is a guaranteed victory, but I mean, I'm looking at Duquesne's schedules over the last few years and they're above 500. You know, I, I see six and five in 2019, the 2020 season was like a weird four and one spring schedule thing last year. They were seven and three. I mean, that's fine, but they played at TCU and lost 45 to three last year to open the season. You know, I mean, they beat Ohio, not Ohio state, obviously Ohio 28, 26, which I guess is a good win. I, I, for them, but I mean, you're not Ohio. Right. And I don't think at this point you're hoping this team is better than what TCU was a year ago or at least equivalent. And I feel like that needs to be where you're at. I think you need to come out and like you said, show team dominance, show you're the program that should be beating Duquesne handily. I mean, I, I don't really know how else to put it. And I, and I don't, Again, I, I can hear you at your computer or on your phone thinking like, oh, no, didn't you say we can't just go out and everything can't just be an auto win. But I mean, I don't know how else you look at this game and feel like they need to come out and show confidence and build confidence from the fans, build confidence for themselves. Yeah, I know it's an open answer from what I told you. Like, I need to see everyone show out. I need to see everyone go. I don't need to see everyone get a hundred yards and, and we don't need to score 60. We need to go, we need to score close to 60, not, not, not anything crazy, but we need to score. We need to put points on the board, but I want to see steadiness from the offense, them keep moving the sticks, them comfortable with each other. And I need to see the defense. I want to see that defensive line dominate. I don't need to see two picks either from the safeties or, or anything like that. But when it comes time to, to know that Akeem Dent, we need him, he needs to show up. Yeah. I, I think that that's a good start, right? Especially for the defense is to come out and have a good start. I think the offense obviously needs the same. I was, I was silent there as you were talking. I was looking at this article from the uh, Pittsburgh post Gazette looking at uh, Duquesne and they were, I mean, you know, just like, I feel like every team does when they go to play Florida state playing, playing the, uh, had the Seminole band on the screen playing the uh, tomahawk chop. They were doing tomahawk chops in the stands to ready the team. And they're talking about shocking the world. Um, You know, I I don't, I, you know, I just think it's all, you know, it's, it's fun to look at and, and, you know, it's what it is. Um, But I don't, I just, I don't know. I just don't see it. They're, They're talking about having a chip on their shoulder because they're overlooked and they're not a small school that deserves, you know, people don't think they deserve the spotlight. And to be honest, I just don't think you do. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know. Like this article is talking about like, maybe they're, maybe they'll overlook them and maybe they'll look ahead to, you know, LSU of the year at the week after. And I just don't, I don't think I, I could, I could see that argument for many teams in Florida state's position, but after what happened last year, I don't see how Norvell and the staff can let them do any of that stuff. Like the things I think could cause a problem are are looking ahead, overconfidence, 
and that type of stuff. And I just don't, I think after what happened last year, I, you can't imagine looking up being like, nah, we'll just take it easy. Yeah. I mean, and a couple of things, overconfidence, I didn't see at all in the last week of fall camp. I saw all the, and the players know, the players know from last year, this cannot happen again. They know that a lot, a lot of the players that are here from last year came back or a lot of players like, like Julian Armella, who said after the JSU game, like this will not happen again to Florida state. And they, they know so that, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not buying any of that. I haven't looked into any of those articles. I, I don't even want that, <laughs> that in my head, but I'm not buying any of it. I don't see a position here where Florida state loses, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the, you know, they're mentioning a couple of their players are transfers from D one schools. They got a D lineman from Pitt. You know, he talks about how he's been, he's played in ACC games before, you know, that type of stuff. But I mean, like that game against Ohio, I mentioned from a D one school. Well, I mean, it could be off the field. I don't know. I don't want to put that on him. I don't know what he did. I probably shouldn't do that. So apologies to him. It, it might be athletics. It might be anything. I don't know. Um, it's, it, they, I did mention that Ohio victory. That was their first FBS win. So that was a year ago. So presumably you should be better than that team. And, I, and again, I don't think there's anything. I think you're just looking to see, you know, what is your offensive line look against someone that isn't wearing their own uniforms? Uh, Jordan Travis has talked this week. I saw, saw about how good the defensive line is as to go against, you know, just to see different faces and see different defenses, see what, you know, that, that ability to knock off that rust will be, it'll be good for them. Are there any players that, that you want to see, like specific players that you, you want to see that you've, you've heard about in the, in the off season that you want to see go off or not, not go off. Just well, I think go off is a good answer for someone like Jared verse. Right. Cause I think this is a perfect example of, you, if you had a question about him, it would be the step up in competition. And so this would be a chance to almost, I don't know, still, still a, a phrase from you kids is, is, you know, soft launch his, uh, his run, right. You, you don't have to go up against LSU first, go ahead and, and get that first Florida state game out of the way against a team that should be probably probably worse than maybe or equivalent to what you were going against when you were at Albany, you know, and I think that'll be someone who I think could be like dominated. is probably a hard word because I can't imagine Duquesne's going to do all that much until maybe the second half of dropping back and trying to throw. I feel like they'll probably try and just squeeze the life out of the ball. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't other, other people. I mean, I think you just want the offensive line as a unit to just, like you said, dominate and just look overwhelming I think if they're struggling and, and Jordan Travis is under pressure, you're kind of like, what are we doing? Like, you know, if we're having issues running the ball and and not giving time, that's a problem. Um, and I think most and foremost, I mean, it's just, you want to see them do the little, like just avoid penalties. Don't turn the ball over. Like the things that you know are going to be issues long, like long term, like could become issues or show signs of like, you want to see the discipline and you want to see like their, like Jordan Travis isn't throwing passes into double coverage, or if he is throwing, you know, if he misses, he's missing in good spots. I think Jordan's probably a guy I really want to see from too. While I'm at it, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Bryant McFadden was on here talking about how he really took like a massive step forward. And it's like, you know, let's see it. Right. If, if you're, I don't need him to go out there and rush for 200 yards. I'd prefer if he didn't run at all. Uh, I'm sure he will, but I mean, I, you know, make a couple of good throws put the ball where only your guy can get it and, 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 you know, look like a quarterback who can lead a team. I mean, to at least the bowl game, if not more. 
Yeah, and aside from the players that were that are were here last year, do you think the coaching staff and even the fans are ready to see these transfers and that that's who they're looking at? Like Demetri Emmanuel, Bless Harris, Tatum Bethune, they're ready to see those transfers, see what they can do and how they fit. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing a lot recently about Bethune. I feel like there's starting to build a little bit of leadership hype around him, which is good. Um, I think you're interested in what's Pittman look like. I mean, look, a year ago this time, it was me, John, and Juan, and we were sitting here talking about, you know, can Andrew Parchment be the guy, right? So I, I feel like there may be some fatigue on like, yeah, this transfer is going to be the guy um, where there's a little bit of like, I'd love to see this guy actually do it. But no, I mean, yes and no, right? Like, I mean, you know there's obvious holes and you just hope a guy jumps. You you hope some of these hit, and we know it's not going to be 100% hit rate. You know, maybe the maybe the jump in competition is too much for Jared Burst. Maybe, uh, you know, with Trey Benson, had a, did he have a knee injury? Was that his issue before? Yeah. You know, maybe he's just not going to get back up to game speed. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like those are going to be issues from what we've seen in practice, but, you know, you don't really know, and I don't think Duquesne's the week you find that out. Um Hopefully, right? I mean, it shouldn't be the week you find it out. It should be the week you go, great. They went in, they took care of business. Let's see what they look like next week. And I think you were right, 100% right about saying you want to see a clean game. You don't want yeah. to see you, – you can't see Jordan Travis throw a pick there and, and throw in a double coverage. And you can't see one of the defensive linemen go at the quarterback and all of a sudden there's there's a bad flag or something like that. You want to see a clean game, which I 100% agree with. Yeah, and I think that's really – if you made me pick one thing, that would be the the choice I would go with is just a clean football game. Just don't turn the ball over. Don't take dumb penalties. Look, I mean, there's going to be penalties. It's a football game. You know, someone's going to grab somebody. It's going to be what it is. But, you know, don't come out of there with, like, 12 for 110 yards, 12 for 114 or something. You know, I mean, like, just play a, a, what looks like a sound football game. Get out of there with your multi-score win and just – have something to build on going into next week. Start one and zero for the first time. Was it 2016? Something like that. Yeah, like in six years. I mean, look, you stole. You, you're basically going to steal this first one and zero. Then just do it. You know, go in and show you're the best. Um, I did want to look a little bit ahead to LSU because they had a couple of of important news nuggets there. Um, one that just came out today, and I know we had talked with. In case you listened to the LSU preview earlier this year, uh, I'm going to try and get. Brody back on at some point before between now and then <clears throat> between now and the game in two weeks um, to go over some more in detail, but they seem to have narrowed their quarterback chase down to two. They had four uh, and they're down to two. It seems it's either going to be Arizona state transfer Jaden Daniels or um, Garrett Nussmeyer, who's been on the team uh, uh, for a while. I think he, he's, I don't think he's actually like broken a red shirt yet. I don't want to be wrong on that. I feel like he just, he was a freshman that red shirted a year ago. Let me make sure I have that right though. Um, but the two of them, uh, the other one in the race before was miles Brennan. who was a sixth year senior who had transferred he was, was transferring out. Brian Kelly got him to stay. They told him, Hey, you ain't winning this job. And he since decided, you know what, I'm done. Um, so it'll, it seems like it'll be one of the two, Possibly a two quarterback system. Obviously, Daniels, I don't know how much you saw of him at Arizona State, Max, but he's more of a runner uh, than a thrower. He's, he's Jordan Travis ish. I don't know if he's quite that good, but he's in that realm. And then uh, it seems like Nussmeyer is really stepping forward as a thrower and he's got a little bit of speed. He is a redshirt freshman. Um, but that seems to be one of the things is who's actually going to start at quarterback will be a question. 
that we'll talk with Brody about and see if he's got any ideas. And the other one is their likely starting running back is suspended for the Florida State game, uh, John Emery Jr. He missed all of last season, suspended for academic issues, and it seems like that is, again, an issue this season. And the reports around LSU are he is suspended for the first two games of their season, but you really only care if he's suspended for the first one. So two updates there offensively um, that will make a big difference, obviously, in the game. LSU down a a starting running back. They're deep at running back, but still, he's he's able to be the lead guy. And then the quarterback race down to two fairly different guys. but. You know, LSU trying to keep it hush. It seems like they're split, splitting first team reps between the two of them. And it might be a two quarterback system there. We don't know. In those two quarterback system, you, you talked about it with Daniels and Travis. Do you think either quarterback gets on the field? Is Jordan Travis the best quarterback in that game? I think so. I mean, so part of what I've seen around LSU is that Jaden Daniels is better than he showed at Arizona State. Um, that he's just LSU's receiver room is is very good. Um, What's new? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you look at the NFL and it's you know you you go to make your you do your fantasy football draft and two of the top three receivers going to be LSU guys in their third year or second year uh, between Jamar Chase and George, Justin Jefferson and yeah, there's there's LSU guys all over the league at wide receiver and they've got I don't know probably five guys that could play in the league right now on this team so. I there there's a lot of hopefulness. It sounds like that Jaden Daniels keeps his legs right. Obviously that that chain that goes with him, and then the ability to have um, Keishawn Boutte and uh, Malik Neighbors and a couple of the other receivers who have been really good for them make his passing better. Uh, but I still don't. I'm baking in that I think Jordan Travis is taking a step. And so in that realm, I don't think he's going to be, I think regardless at, at, at if Jaden Daniels plays or Nussmeyer for that matter plays, I feel like their ceilings and Jordan Travis's ceilings are at most the same, if not Travis slightly higher. So I don't, I don't think you, this is a game where you're going in with like a quarterback disadvantage. And we've talked about it with Brian McFadden. That's where you win games. Yeah. Whatever quarterback it is, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but would you rather with that defense that Florida State has rather play a quarterback that can run the ball or a quarterback that can that can sling it up and and throw it to his receivers? So I think it's a question where both of the guys for LSU are question marks, right? I you didn't if you're an LSU per like if you watched LSU last year, which I assume many of you didn't, it was mostly just me who was miserable at doing that, but you didn't see enough from Nussmeyer to know what you have there. But he was able to beat out the six year senior for the position, right? They've already pulled him out and everything I've heard from Nussmeyer in spring and fall camp, fall scrimmages is he just looks like a, like a dude. Like he looks like one of those up and coming uh, college quarterbacks. I don't, Jaden Daniels seems to be doing well. I just don't know if it's going to be, we're going to roll out the red shirt freshman game one. You've started three games. Let's go get it or they're going to rely on Jade Daniels and try and make it run around because their offensive line's a work in progress too. Uh, Ed Ogeron had let that offensive line kind of fall off a lot depth wise. And I mean, just last week they, they read a scrimmage and their center had like two or three bad snaps. And I'm sorry, I'm dying here. One second. 
well, I had a couple of bad snaps and Brian Kelly just had to get all over him. Like, dude, you can't, you can't be snapping the ground balls to your quarterback. Um, so, I mean, we talked about it before they're vulnerable, you know, they don't have a quarterback. The offensive line is kind of a work in progress. Their defensive line is probably one of the best in the country. Their receiver room is one of the best in the country. Their DBs are a bunch of individual players who are some of the best in the country. I don't know how they play together. They're all transfers from everywhere else. Guys from UL, McNeese, uh, Oklahoma State, Seven Banks transferred in as well. I mean, they've got like four or five guys who are in the top handful of DBs in the country, just like they normally do. But, you know, they never played together. So it's it's open. It's wide open. It's just what does Florida State look like and what do these two giant question marks at LSU for quarterback look like? I mean, if they're running a two-quarterback system where they're rotating a minute out, that could be a disaster. I mean, it's a, the famous saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So. Exactly, and it reminds me of LSU 10 years ago, right? I mean, they made it to a national championship game with Jared Lee and, and Jordan Jefferson swapping out like every series. You, you know, it'd be like touchdown, drive by this quarterback. Oh, okay, we'll switch to this one. And then it was just back and forth. I mean – you have to have a really, really good deep team. I don't think this LSU team is that. Um, and so I think it becomes even more of a weakness when your team isn't that level good. Yeah, and you have to have experience and and know how all the receivers play. Know You have to have Jaden McDaniels, who's who should have been there for years, and that will work if if all these players know each other. But that's not the case here. Well, I know Butte and, and, and Daniels worked out together in the offseason. Uh, despite his Butte's flirtations with transferring to Alabama and Texas A&M, who just like showed up in the middle of the night and were like, Hey, here's a giant bag of money transfer to us. And LSU had to write some large checks to keep him, um, which is ridiculous. I mean, just unbelievable. Cause people were like, Oh my God, NIL. And I'm like, they just called up LSU's best player. And we're like, here's a bag come play for us. And LSU had to literally fend them off with money, but and they worked out together in the off season. So I think Daniels is going to go first and get the first shot at it because of that report. And he looks about the same. He's a junior, I believe. I think you just give him the first crack. Plus he's got the legs. And if your offensive line isn't that, he gives you more. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I think next week I'll try and get Brody to come on again and just talk with him about like, what is this team? Because when, like I said, when we talked to him in, was it June? It was just like, this team is a bunch of question marks. Is it going to work? I don't know. They got a whole bunch of talented guys, but do they play together? We'll find out. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. And and Daniels, I saw before, he, I mean, they have more film on him. They know how he's going to play more than the other guys. So I think, yeah. it'd be better. I think it'd be better. And plus when you have that running, running quarterback, you know the safety is going to come up. And you know that those, those corners who don't have all the experience on our team can get back to the receivers and get back to the coverage. So maybe. Yeah. That'll... And I, and I think that's where LSU is going to try and, and exploit them is, is using a running quarterback, forcing you to pull the safeties down and then getting their receivers one-on-one. Exactly. I think that's, that's their goal. And that's why I think Daniels will probably get it, but I mean, they're doing a good job of keeping it, up in the air. I mean, every everything from scrimmages and practices and everything sounds like it's Nussmeyer looks fantastic. So it really is a two horse race. But I guess we'll see. I mean, again, that's all conversations for next week. But for now, it's Duquesne, right? It's Duquesne. I get it. It's get it. But at least it's game week, like we talked about. Um, Max and I will be heading down to New Orleans for the or over to New Orleans. I guess for me, it's actually up. But we'll be there for that game and uh, 
Still figuring out the coverage plan and let you guys know what the podcast looked like that week. But uh, again, this week we got today, this episode, and then Thursday, well, Friday, we'll be dropping our uh, full season preview, win-loss predictions, and and more. So hopefully we'll have that for you soon. So get excited, get ready for that uh, dropping heading into the weekend. Until then, we'll see you back for a recap on Sunday. So see you Friday and Sunday. But for now, that's a wrap.
Who knows?